We'd like to invite you to be a part of our Bible study inside your program. You'll find an outline of our study. I'd encourage you to take that and follow along with us as we look into the Word of God this morning. I want to talk with you about the comeback of John Mark. You know, comebacks are uh, really something that excites people. I don't know if you happen to watch very much of the uh, March Madness, the uh, national championship for basketball and on, but there were two great comebacks and and one uh, that was really sensational. The uh, first one involved the Texas Longhorns and the team of Northern Iowa. And with just about three seconds left to go, Texas scored and tied up the game and the guy from North, I- North Iowa, they threw the ball into him, and he made a shot from a half court and swished it, and they won the game. Ah, it was pretty exciting. Now, the most exciting comeback of all, though, was Northern Iowa when they played Texas A&M. With 33 seconds to go, Texas A&M was behind by 12 points. 33 seconds to go. And in 33 seconds, they scored 12 points and tied up the game and then won it in double overtime. Ah, comebacks, they are really something exciting. And today I want to talk with you about a comeback of a man who did something very special in his life, and maybe it'll be an encouragement to us too. You know, there are two philosophies about life. Some see the present based upon the past. Others see the present based upon your future. Jesus was one, I believe, that based your present upon your future and upon what you can be and what you can do. Well, number one, let me talk to you just a minute if I can about the story of John Mark. Now, those two names kind of run together, but in reality, John was his Jewish name, and Mark was his Roman name. And as you read the Bible and his story, sometimes he is referred to as John, and sometimes he is referred to as Mark. Let me show you one of, if not the wildest story in the New Testament that involves this man. Look in your Bible, if you will, over in the book of Mark, chapter 14, and we find this story that appears in verses 51 and 52. Now, the scene is Jesus has been arrested in the garden. And as they have come to take Jesus away, this story appears. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Now, you know, we uh, know somebody who is a streaker, but here is a young man who... His garment was pulled off of him, and he ran away naked. Now, we have a word for that today when a fellow doesn't wear anything under him. We say he's gone commando. And evidently, uh, here was this man who had gone commando. Now, the name is not given here. But almost all Bible scholars believe that the man who is being described here was John Mark. And the reason that he inserted this was so that people would know that uh, he was really there and the things that he was writing about, they were true and you could count on them because he had been an eyewitness of the things that he was writing about. 
Well, John Mark begins then an unusual story of uh, being there when Jesus was arrested, pulling off his clothes and streaking away naked. Well, John Mark was a man that came from good background. According to Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, he was the cousin of Barnabas. Now, you remember what a great man Barnabas was. He was the man that uh, was Mr. Enthusiasm. He was the one that the uh, people saw his giving, and they were inspired to give even as he gave. And I love the verse over in Acts that describes uh, Barnabas this way. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Ah, what a great man was Barnabas, and John Mark was his cousin. Well, evidently, John Mark was with the church in Antioch when the decision was made to send Barnabas and Paul on their first missionary journey. The Spirit had guided the leaders of the church to make that decision. And so now John Mark was asked to go with them. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13, verse 5, that he was going along as their helper. I think if you and I had been writing that, we might have said he was gone along as their intern. That is, somebody who was in training so that he might learn better how to be a servant of the Lord and how to be a minister. Now, we don't know for sure what his job was. Uh, some have thought that maybe his job was to baptize converts. Over in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 14-17, Paul said, uh, You know, I was there and I preached, but I didn't baptize very many of you. Sometimes it's helpful to have somebody there who is able to immerse those people who want to be baptized. When I was in college, two summers I uh, spent up in Wyoming. And uh, during that time, I uh, worked part of the time over in the Wyoming Bible camp. And so the camp was about 10,000 feet high. And there was a small lake up there, and uh, the people who wanted to be baptized, most of them young people, they were going to be baptized in that lake. Now, you can imagine what the water is like. I mean, it was cold. And so what they would do is they would drive the cars down by the lake and let the light shine, and so they could see the person being baptized. Well, now, as the uh, older men who were running the camp said, we need somebody to uh, do the baptizing, so they said, you're young and you're healthy and you can stand the cold water. We'll let you do it. And so for two summers, I had the job. I baptized all the young people that wanted to be baptized up in that water. And let me tell you, it was cold. But it was helpful to have somebody there who was able to baptize. And some have thought that that was what it was that John Mark did. Others have thought that maybe what his job was to ground the new converts. You know, when somebody becomes a Christian, I mean, they don't just need to be baptized and then forgotten, but rather they need somebody to kind of help them along here. And some have thought, well, maybe that's exactly what it was that uh, John Mark did. He was one who helped them by uh, grounding the new converts so they could learn more about the Lord. When I was uh, a young preacher up in Tulsa, there were two men who were older men in the congregation in the church there that uh, preached and uh, they kind of took me under their wing 
And I was so glad because I learned a lot of things from them that I could not have learned otherwise. Well, so here we have Barnabas and we have Paul and we have John Mark and they head out on the first missionary journey. And they leave Antioch and they go to Cilicia. They go to Cyprus. They go to Salamis. They go to Paphos. And when they get to Paphos, they had a wild experience. I mean, when they got there, they ran into a Jewish sorcerer. And a sorcerer was a guy who was a magician or a man who thought he had special powers. And then somebody who was a false prophet. Now, the man who was the leader there in Paphos was called the proconsul. And he heard about the things that were going on with Paul and Barnabas, and he decided that he wanted to meet with them because he wanted to hear the Word of God. Now, Paul and Barnabas are then invited to meet with him. When they get there, they run into the sorcerer. And the sorcerer tells the proconsul, you don't want to fool with those guys. They don't know what they're doing. And Paul, when he came face to face with the sorcerer, the Bible said, he said to him, You are a child of the devil, and you're against everything that is good. And then I don't know how he did it, but Paul blinded the sorcerer. So he was not able to see. And then he talked to the uh, proconsul and told him about the word of God. And the Bible says that the proconsul believed, and he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. What a great thing was going on here then as the missionary journey of Paul was having some real fruit among those who were the leaders in the places that he was going to preach. The Bible says that they then sailed to Perga and Pamphylia. And then in Acts 13, 13 is this bad statement. John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Wait a minute. This young man's got the chance of a lifetime to be with Paul and Barnabas and to see the work of God and to see how they're able to convert people. And he turns around and he goes back home. Now, nobody knows for sure why he left. Some people think that maybe he left because he was all shook up. Here, seeing a man who was a sorcerer and having to go face to face with somebody who was a devil worshiper. Maybe that's what it was. Some people thought he just got homesick and just missed his mother and he wanted to go back home. And sometimes that happens to young boys. Other people think it may have been because there was a leadership shift. Now, as they begin, the Bible tells a story about Paul and Barnabas. But when you come to Perga and Pamphylia, it begins talking about Paul. Uh, uh, first of all, it talks about Barnabas and Paul. And now the shift comes to Paul and Barnabas. And some have thought, you know, John Mark was upset because his cousin was not the big leader anymore. And so that's why he left home. I don't know, but I can tell you this. Things were sh shook up. Although he was a helper, when he left, I'm sure they were dependent upon him. When I was a little boy, about uh, five or six years old, I was the uh, bat boy for my dad's softball team. And uh, one game, uh, I had not gone to the bathroom before the game, 
And so I was out there doing my job and I needed to go, but I didn't want to leave the game. And so you know what happened? The little boy wet his pants. And you know, and I had a baseball suit on there and you could see the big spot there. It was pretty evident to all and my mother was there and she came down and got me and took me home. I mean, she was embarrassed. But you know, when I left, although I was just a bat boy, you know, they depended upon me. I'd get the bats and get the guys' gloves and help them with their batting helmets and all that. And when I was gone, I mean, things were shook up. And I'm sure that things were shook up when it was that John Mark left because they had been depending upon him. Well, as we continue to read on in the book of Acts, number two is, let's do it again. Paul, according to Acts chapter 15, verse 36, the Scripture says, sometime later, Paul said, you know, Barnabas, we need to go back and see all those people that we converted and made them a part of the family of God so they can grow in their faith. You see, they were still living in a pagan society. And they didn't have a Bible that they could study. And they depended upon the words that were going to come from the teachers who knew the Lord so that they could grow strong in their faith. So Barnabas says, uh, you know, that's a good idea. But here was the trouble. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise because he had deserted them. That's Acts 15, 37 and 38. Now, here are these two men, and they have different views. And Paul, when he was asked if he could take John Mark along, he said this, No way, Jose, we're not taking that quitter with us. You see, Paul saw him through the scope of what he had done in the past. Barnabas saw him through the scope of what he could do in the future and the potential that he had. And then there is this sad verse in Acts 15.39. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Isn't that a sad thing? I mean... Here are these two godly Christian men. I mean, and they get into an argument and they cannot even agree upon anything and they just split the missionaries. Now, can Christian men disagree? <laughs> yes, they can. Can Christian men get into an argument? Yes, they can. And here are Paul and Barnabas, these two great leaders in the church. And what are they doing? They are splitting up and they are going their different ways. So the Bible says that Barnabas took John Mark and they went to Cyprus. And then Paul chose another man by the name of Silas. And that man was going with Paul and they were going to retrace the steps where they had gone earlier and help ground the people who now are in the family of God. What a sad thing it is that uh, sometimes Christian people don't get along. Sometimes, although they have good intentions and good motives, sometimes they just don't get along with each other. And sometimes maybe the wisest thing to do is just divide and go your own way and, and serve the Lord in different venues, even as Barnabas and Paul decided to do. There are psychologists who believe that most of us live our lives according to what the most important person in our life believes and feels 
about us. And here is Barnabas. He feels that there is great potential in John Mark. And here is Paul who thinks, no, he's nothing but a quitter and you cannot depend upon him. Let me ask you this. How are you doing as far as encouraging those who are around you? What about your children? Paul wrote in Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and the the, teaching of the Lord. You know, I wonder, how is it you see your children and what do you convey to them? Do you convey, I've seen you in the past, I know you have messed up, you've done stupid things, because that's the kind of kid you are. Or do you look toward their future and say, You know, you can amount to something great. You can do wonderful things. And I wonder, do you, do you see your children from the past, or do you see them from the future and what you can do? I wonder, will it be at your future, at your funeral, that maybe you would say, You know, my fondest memory of my dad, we didn't come home and gripe me out, tell me how stupid I am, and tell me I'm never going to amount to anything. Would you come home and you would say to your son, Son, you may have messed up, but you can do great things. You didn't do too good on that math test, but son, you can do good things and encourage them. I wonder about your spouse. You think she's ever drinking coffee with a neighbor and says, You know, the highlight of my day is when George comes home and he just cuts me to ribbon and gripes me out. I wonder, how do you see things? From the past or from the future? Number three, let me at four, let me ask you this. Who was right, Paul or Barnabas? Well, both of them felt pretty strong about what they're doing. And so Barnabas took Mark and they went to Cyprus and Paul took Silas and they went the other way to do their mission work. I wonder, did they ever get back together? There's an interesting verse over in Galatians 2, verses 8 and 9, where Paul talks about the work he did with Barnabas, and some think that they may have gotten back together, although it's not really clear. But what happened to John Mark? What about that young man? Let me show you three passages. First, from the book of Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. Listen to these words that Paul wrote. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Who do you think was right? Paul or Barnabas? Paul said, listen, if you get a chance to see this young man, you open the doors and you welcome him because he is such a fine young man. Philippians verse 24 Paul, as he wrote that one chapter book, says about uh, young Mark, he said, He is my fellow laborer in the gospel. Who do you think was right? Paul or Barnabas? And then if you will look in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the last letter that Paul ever wrote. And as he wrote these words concerning Luke and Mark, he said this, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. 
Who do you think was right? Paul or Barnabas? Well, undoubtedly, it was Barnabas. Because he saw this young man, not as he was, but as he could be. You see, what I want you to realize is that one flub does not make you a failure. One time that you have really messed up does not mean that there's not something great that you can do. One time that you've got knocked down to the floor, one time you've done something you sincerely regret doing, does not mean that there is not hope for you. You see, although Mark had backed out and left them on the first missionary journey, when they got ready to go again, you know what Mark said? Mark said, I'm ready to go back, and this time you can depend upon me. He wanted to go back and be a missionary again. And you see, as you think of your life and think about people who are around you, I want you to realize, look not at their past, but look at their future. Look at what they could do or what they could become because they are serving the Lord. There's a story that came down that when the Titanic was going over that they filled up all of the lifeboats and there was one lady who had a small son and she wanted desperately to get in with her boy, but the man in the lifeboat said, Ma'am, I'm sorry, we're just overloaded. We cannot take one more person. She said, Well, can you at least take my son? And he said, Well, he doesn't weigh much. And so she handed down her boy to the man who was running the rescue boat. And she said to him this, Son, tell your mother that you live because I died. And you know, that's the story of Jesus. We live because He died. And even if we have messed up, our Lord sees our present based on our future, as He sees what it is we can be and what we can do. You see, John Mark made an amazing comeback to become one who was a solid servant of the Lord. And you and I can do the same. So as you see your life, realize that your future is ahead of you. And even if you mess up, you can come back and do again what God wants you to do. One of my favorite verses from the book of Proverbs is this, Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Would you repeat that with me? Though the righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. One more time. Though the righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, we're just thankful that the Bible is a book of hope. And it gives us, dear Father, strength and courage that even when we have fallen down and messed up, that we can come back. And dear Father, we're thankful to you for the example of John Mark and how he didn't give up, but how he made a strong servant of the Lord. And dear Father, we're thankful that there are men like Barnabas who uh, encourage us and strengthen us and may we, dear God, be men like that, who don't give up, but encourage those around us so that they too can serve you. Well, this is our prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning, and maybe there's a way we could be of encouragement to you. Maybe you'd like to come today and say, you know, I'd like to be a part of this church. And if that's your desire, we would welcome you into our family. Maybe you'd like to confess your faith and be baptized into Christ. If there's any other way we could serve you, I'll be at the front and our elders will be at the back. If you'd like to come, why don't you do it right now as we just stand together and sing.
I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It made my heart in love and wrote my name above. And just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. He will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayerful yearning, as your heart in heaven is turning, you will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Sometimes my path seems dreary without a ray of cheer, and then a cloud down may hide the light of day. The mists of sin may rise and hide the starry skies, but just a little talk with Jesus clears away. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. He will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayerful yearning, as your heart in heaven is turning, you will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. I may have doubts and fears, my eyes be filled with tears. But Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. I go to him in prayer. He knows my every care. And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. He will answer by and by. As your heart unto heaven is turning, you will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right.